0: Meet great brothers, right? In my travels, in my journeys, I get to come across men who are doing amazing things in the world. And one of the questions that we seem to not ask, and even though we may be asked this question, we may not answer it honestly, is, are you a good man, right? We don't ask that question, man. You good, man? With that meaning and inflection to ask that I am empathetically and sympathetically with you. And there's this brother, his name is Philip Browntree. I met him as usual, as you know, at B.E. Modern Man back in late August and September, and I began to follow his work. And this brother has the hashtag on Twitter and Instagram, asking brothers, guess what? You good man. And so I decided, I was like, you know what, I need to know more about this. And the world needs to know more about you Good Man, and why it came out, its impetus, and the impact that it has on us as people, as men, and the people who love us. So, dear brother Phil Roundtree, how you doing?
1: I'm good. How you feeling, Charles?
0: Man, I can't, I can't, well, you know what, I could complain today. <laughs> I don't know if I could answer that question, you good, man, and, and, you know what I'm saying, and be like, yeah, I'm good. Nah, I don't know how good I am, but we going, you going to make it good. We're going to have a great show, brother. How you doing?
1: I'm well. I'm well. It's been a, again, we can complain, right? But, you know, let's try to accent the positive. It's been an interesting day for me, to say the least. Yes,
0: brother. Yes, yes. No no doubt. No doubt. And so our stories hopefully will illuminate for those who are listening to us. As you know, Phil, we ask this question every time to every one of our wonderful guests. What's your revolution, brother?
1: What's my revolution? Hold up, give me one second. I had I had written it out. You know, I'm, I'm just, I gotta write everything down. That's just how I roll. Yeah, no um, doubt, brother. so you know, I try to give it as much thought as possible and what kept coming back, you know, to me is just what it is that I'm out here doing. Just, you know, my attempts to destigmatize mental health, especially within, you know, marginalized and often underrepresented communities. You know, so what that looks like is not only in improving the conversation, but Increasing the utilization of services improving service delivery and having research that that that's more inclusive um, You know, especially me being in the field of social work for umpteenth years uh, You know I'm starting I started to recognize, you know recently the whitewashing of the of the of of First the profession of social work in general, right. but of mental health in, in particular and so you know that's why I've been such a champion now on, on advocating on behalf of those who aren't included in the research, right? Right on those who aren't who aren't getting murals painted in Chicago like Robin Williams, or who aren't uh, seeing a merchandise spike like like Kate Spade after her death. You know, for those people like Sam Sarpong and Lee Thompson Young, you know, black actors and actresses who who died by suicide, right? Who aren't included in this conversation and we want to make so, sure you're right we I mean, want to make so that's sure my, you know what i look as my
0: revolution right sure. it has to be you know it has to be philip you know these voices that go unheard every day right and like exactly. you said the murals that are painted for robin williams and when people when actors and actresses and celebrities come out and they tell their story uh we want to hear that story right mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we can, we can l- proverbially lay in the bed with them, right? Yeah. Um, but there are people who are everyday in our, in our communities, people who look like you and me, whose stories are not told, who, who are not, as we say, celebrated in the manner that they should be. And so you're telling me that your revolution is ensuring that those voices are heard. Is that correct? Is that what I heard Correct? For sure. Yeah, no doubt. And we have to do much better. Brother, you know, I am fortunate because very rarely do I have somebody who has his own podcast. And we, you know, uh, I do my homework on my guests. And I I began looking at the catalog of your shows, dear brother. And we are very similar in what we do, you know, in our communities and our voice. And so I want to applaud you first for continuing this conversation and I know you know in your community that it's big right you are you you're a big time guy in your community people know Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you 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 know it's, keep, I love that humility <laughs> you know hey hey brother keep that humility we all we all need this you know I had somebody come up to me and say you know what you know I listen to your show each week you know I, I googled you all these different things you're you're a big guy I'm like really <laughs> nah, uh-uh. I was like, I put my pants on just like like anybody else. And my line brother Antoine hit me and still clowns me every day. So, and yeah, exactly. So, just applaud you for everything you're doing, brother. So, look, tell the world, man. Before we even get into who is Philip Tree, what's on your nightstand right now? What are you reading?
1: What am I reading? Um, you know what? I've I've been reading my book that I've been writing. Um, it's a book. Uh, geared towards just men's wellness in general. Right. And so from that, I, you know, I like, before writing, I like to read, you know, chapters from different books. So right now I have uh, Brene Brown's uh, Gifts of Imperfection okay. and Dare to Leave. Okay. All right. And so, you know, before I write, just because I, I think, you know, her and I and our views are, are similar um, in how we view uh, vulnerability, how we view shame. And just how important and how impactful that is to an individual, right? Um, so yeah, so those are the two that I uh, you know I read chapter by chapter as I'm writing you know my own book. I
0: gotcha. Got you. So you wanna you wanna leak out the title of that book, dear brother?
1: <laughs> I, I have no idea. It, it might be you, good man. <laughs> hey hey hey
0: hey, dear brother. I, I definitely understand. That. We're gonna get to that in one second. But it's interesting. I want to pull back for once, you know just one second. Brene Brown's writings. Are, are so integral to where I am at this point, right? And I'm actually reading Daring Greatly right now. And so okay. it's a really interesting book about, you, and I'm sure that you've read it, but, you know, being in the, as she says, being in the lion's den or being in the pit, right? And, and, and daring greatly to go out and to be the one who fights, who dares to action every day. It's really interesting. Um, if you get a chance, Phil, listen to her... Her conversation with Dax Shepard on his show, uh, Armchair Armchair Expert, it's a wonderful show. And she talks about that vulnerability, you know, that that comes up so much here on our radio shows that we have to have. And to dare greatly, I think you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. You have to be willing to open up and say, to be able to answer that question, you good man. And, And sometimes you ain't good man. Right, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know, so exactly. what you know thinking about that hashtag you good man What was the impetus for that for you? And and how did you then begin to get traction around it?
1: Well, you know what? I, I can't take credit is no different than you know When they put who was it Alyssa Milano when she started tweeting about Hashtag me too, right and, and women of color said nah, you know Tarana <laughs> Burke had this Some years ago right so you need to pay homage right so to pay homage you know, I can't pinpoint the specific brother who who started the hashtag on Twitter in in 2016, but it was in response to the rapper uh, Kid Cuddy. Uh, right. He was dealing with mental health mm-hmm. issues. He was dual diagnosis issues. I know he had a drug habit as well. And so once he went inpatient, other brothers started checking in on other brothers, and that just happened to be the hashtag. Right. Okay. And so you know, once I started looking, because I had a I had a podcast already. But once I changed the format, um, you know, I was just trying to think of a name to utilize. And it was just like I knew it was going to be a a, a podcast dedicated to men's wellness. And I don't know where I maybe I just saw it, you know, again. And it was just like, you know what, this will work. This fits. And so it's just gone from there. And, you know, I use it every opportunity that I can. Right. Um, You good. It's it's such a, a critical. It's a critical question.
0: It is you know, a, it's critical, a, it's a question. critical
1: question, right?
0: Right, and why you know, in saying that, it's a critical question. You know, it, it would seem like it's just an everyday, an everyday conversation, dear brother. You good man, right? Um, that's the first question that my brother, my dear brother Todd Taylor, asked me. You good man? But why do you think it's such a critical question for for men? Uh,
1: because I, you know, it's something where you know when we get into the whole idea of masculinity, what what's a man supposed to look like you know so we're talking about you know emotional suppression right and so even if you aren't doing good you still have to to show as show that sh- that sh- whatever that strength is that, that people say men are supposed to have right they're supposed to be the breadwinners they're supposed to be the head of the household so all of these demands that are placed on men uh, there's a sentiment that I can't Uh, I can't show emotion because if I show emotion, there's too many people depending on me and so if that happens If I do then uh, I might uh, I might be susceptible to To anything that comes with that that type of vulnerability Uh, and I'm you know what you know most men don't recognize (laughs) uh, is that It's going to hit you regardless
0: It's going right whether you like
1: it or not right and so it's either going to come out in a, a healthy way or it's going to come out in a, in a maladaptive way, right. um, which we see so often in society. We see it in our friendships. We see it in our relationships where men who haven't uh, had the opportunity to to express what's happening with them um, and how detrimental that can be to their overall wellness.
0: Exactly, exactly. But why is it so hard? You know, just, you, we socialize to say, you good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Why is it so hard?
1: I... I, I You know, there's so many factors that that go into that, you because what does you know, for me I've always been the emotional person. (laughs) I've embraced that uh forever. Um but even even with that, I still wasn't as expressive um in a healthy way. Right. And so again, it's about what if you, you do know how it's a lot about trust. So now that you know um something about me, how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking are you going to use that again? Right, right. right? And exactly. so we're talking about a, when we talk about vulnerability, we're talking about a, a level of trust, right? And so we're especially as men, we're conditioned not to trust one another. Especially right. being black men. Man. I, you know. Don't, tell the story, that, brother. <laughs> I I, it, I have such a love-hate relationship with hip hop because I'm a byproduct of the hip hop culture, but it's also taught me uh, and, and reinforced not trusting another man right right and so again it's 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 to the detriment of of my wellness and to the wellness of others
0: yeah no doubt brother no doubt i keep thinking about this piece that i've written and i haven't published it yet i actually wrote it a couple years ago but it's still very it's still very uh you know appropriate and that's the word that i'm looking for it's still very appropriate for where we are and you know how do you feel I'm 35. Oh man, that's right. You told me last night. Right? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. You're still young, brother. You know what man, I'm saying? Well, well, my knees are about yeah. Three. Because you'd know be, be in the gym jacking up like a thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. Follow this, brother. Phil underscore is it quantify, Right. Yeah, yeah. Phil underscore quantify. You can see this, brother. Just throwing up whole buildings, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why your knees giving out, dear brother. Um. But the article that I wrote a couple years ago was about how the, the death of the head nod, right? Uh-huh. And so, you know, growing up and, you know, for jazz and jazz in the studio here, my engineer, man, he'll tell you the head nod was a, the head nod was really. I see you. Right. Yeah. I see you. Right. And I, I acknowledge you. I may not like you. I may not know you. I may not understand why we are in this space together. But that head nod means that I'm here with you and that I see you. And that is is also the opportunity to open up, right? Right? Mm -hmm. To open up conversation. The head nod is dying. You know, it is is dying amongst us, right? I get more head nods now from white boys, right? (laughs) Right? Who think they're woke and want to give me the head nod, right? Or Hispanic brothers. But to get a head nod from a young African-American male now it's hard, because, like you said, it, to me, the hypothesis is is that it goes back to that mistrust, right mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. You, why are you looking at me All right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's been replaced, especially me living here in philly, um you know hence the reason why you know me going to you know to the be modern man down in Florida right, and especially meeting southern people or me going when I went to south carolina um. You know, here in Philly, the head nod has been replaced by the grit. You gritting on some. Yeah, money, right? <laughs> it's so it's still You're down south, the bro. The entire time, right? Nobody wants to be the first to say what's up, right? <laughs> um, what's up um, with that, you know, man? You you feel armed, right? You know, right? Because again, we've been conditioned to to view one another as a threat, right? Um, and so that's what, you know, and that's why I, I encourage brothers. And it, 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 the first step, you know, if, about engagement. Um, Is meeting people where they are, yes. right? And so we're talking about, yo, what's up? How you doing? What's up, young fella? <laughs> right? it, it, it throw them off, <laughs> right? Right. right. And then it, that begins the, the communication if you, if you choose to go that route, right? And have dialogue. But again, we, you know, we're so conditioned to view one another as a threat that you know we miss opportunities to 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 work with one another. One of my episodes was. Uh, competition versus collaboration. Man, tell the story, uh, it's brother. Like you know, we get songs by Drake and DJ Khaled. No new friends. And since I've been a full time <laughs> entrepreneur now, it's like this year I'm trying to make all the new friends. Man,
0: let me you tell know you. Know I mean? <laughs> let We're me tell you, the bro.
1: Face of the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? So.
0: No. Yeah. yeah. No new friends. I need all the friends I can get, brother. <laughs> you know. You know. We got two scientists on the phone right now, and you know that community. How big it is for us as we age. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Sure. As we age, continuing those neural connections. Yes, I'm getting all heady. Those neural connections that we need down the road, right? I'm, I yeah. ser- I'm searching for community, brother, right? Because it seems like as we ascend the ladder, you know, our communities yeah. begin to fall off and we have to take more time, more precious time to actually facilitate and maintain those communities. And so it is so imperative that the head nod lives on, right? Because you know, you know, Phil. We we get into spaces, right? We get into spaces where it's just me and you, or it's just us, right? And we're so happy, Phil, to see somebody else who looks like us, or at least, right, at least somebody to give us a head nod, like hey, I feel you. I know, I know what you might be going through right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, brother, you know, I, I, I'm always, I always get excited about, you know, things. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this work around mental health, uplifting men, and and what was your journey to get there?
1: Well, first I want to say when well, you gonna get the article out? You know. Oh, there
0: you, know? you go. Hold me accountable, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, there you go. That's what we need. That accountability. And yeah, then, for sure, man. There.
1: it's needed. Yeah. You know, I look around. Uh, I I see so much. Uh, Especially on social media, I see things coming from Essence written by women. I see so many of these different different types of ideas, these different topics, but I'm not seeing much unless I look at the root from time to time. And they're usually mostly in jest. You know, um, <laughs> even though they're they're great at what they do, uh, you know, but we definitely need more information. So whether it's on your website or what have you, just on your right. social media, right? You know, your Facebook, just to get it out, man. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. No right? doubt. It's no necessary. doubt. All right. So if um, if, it, if you don't
0: see it within a week, brother, you call me out on Facebook. Like, hey, we had this, we had this conversation, bro. What where's that article? Right. I got you. I got, I got you. you. I right. right. no right. Got you. So yeah, tell us a little bit about you know. Who is Philip Roundtree, and how you got to this point? We talked about how you got to you good man, but how did you get to be Phil Roundtree? You know this dude that you are right now.
1: Yeah, you know it's a, it's, it's been a lot of you know just the ebb and flow of life. Um, you know when I go and speak uh, at, at colleges, universities. So you know one of the things that I do with, uh, with my business, Quadify. As a full-time entrepreneur, I do a lot of public speaking, colleges, universities, high schools, you know, cookouts, wherever I could be heard. (laughs) Cookouts. Uh, And so, you know, the first question I always ask is, when you look at me, what do you see? And so I get answers, you know, you're strong from, you know, from people who clearly could tell I'm bigger than, than bigger than most people, right. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. uh, (laughs) Um, Look Like a black
0: lumberjack, you know
1: what (laughs) what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, I get James Harden, I get uh, Mr. T, I get, (laughs) I get get all of these things and 90% of the time I'm wearing a shirt that says, this is what depression looks like and nobody says that you look like somebody that's been depressed that you look like somebody that was suicidal for 15 years every day, five to six times a day. Um, and so that's, you know, that's my journey. That's a part of my story. Um, so me getting to this point of advocacy was me experiencing traumatic situations from seeing my mother have a nervous breakdown in eighth grade. Uh, I lost my brother in, in 12th grade. Uh, which was two thousand and one, so we actually celebrated the eighteenth year anniversary of his death uh, the opioid addiction right. uh, he was twenty four years of age, wow. like a lot of young black males he you know he used cough syrup, he used mm-hmm. pills and and things like that he wasn 't intentionally trying to overdose, but unbeknownst to him, he had sleep apnea, so his heart stopped from the sedatives and conjunction right. with that and so that trauma I carried on with me um and i learned how to cope from my mother and so people are like oh you big you could fight no, i've never been in a fight in my life wow so i could curse somebody out <laughs> yeah else. no
0: so, doubt
1: yeah and so because we learned how to cope from what we see exactly right and that was that was my role model and so going forward it got to a point where i was a a, a junior i believe a junior at bloomsburg university here in in pennsylvania a predominantly white institution And I ended up getting expelled because I cursed school police officer out over a cup of juice. What? Right. And so, you know, you go to McDonald's, you pay for your cup, you go to the fountain to pour your own drink. Um, I went and did that. I tasted it to see if it was watered down, and she said, "Phil, that was stealing." And I always say she knows my name because listen, you go to a predominantly white institution, and you got 20, twenty, thirty black folk or minorities on campus. It's like they got a special list, like the like the CIA. So, and so I, I ended up cursing her out with what I knew best. I didn't have the language to say, and the, the emotional intelligence to say, um, "Listen, I, I feel like I'm being, um, I feel like I'm being scapegoated." Um, I'm actually just tasting it to see if it was watered down, right? I learned how to communicate from what I saw right. And so that was me to curse her out and end up getting kicked out. I had to do a weekend in jail it, wow. was just, it was just wild over over a cup of juice and so But that was big for me because that started the path of me working towards uh, quote-unquote healing and doing the work and so uh, I ended up, I went to community college, ended up petitioning to get back into school because at that point I wasn't focused on school. I was withdrawing from classes, but I, I was, I, I knew I needed to be more diligent in my efforts. I knew I had to do much for my, to to uh, maintain my emotions when I felt them. And so, you know, I, I, this this professor of mine, Dr. Campbell and Kamara, God bless the dead, he always wanted to talk to, especially the black boys on campus. You know, he was that old head in his 50s, 60s. Like, oh, <laughs> want cool. to sit and, t- and have, have church a little bit, right. Uh, he want to sit and, and have, and have and church I'm, a little bit. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, I'm cool. I'm all right. You know what I mean? What are we going to talk about? But what he knew, what he knew that I didn't know was the climate of, of the school, uh, the climate of being a black man in society. <laughs> Who was trying to attain higher education and everything that comes with that and so i ended up going to talk to him not about uh those things but about a young lady <laughs> i wanted to understand why she didn't want me right and so you know i was taking her out to dinner uh buying her sneakers oh was, wow. like, my mom was doing that because i didn't have a <laughs> job so i guess my mom was dizzy. your mom didn't know but, did she <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, but, you know, he said to me, and I say this everywhere I go, he said, Phil, in life you change to get something or to keep something. And at the time, I'm like, oh, what are you wow. talking about? Right. Right? But that's become my mantra because I recognize that I can't stay the same. I can't continue to do the same behaviors and expect a different result. We know that being uh, uh, called... Uh, uh, I want to say psychosis, uh, insanity. Right, insanity.
0: (laughs) Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, just going forward, I kept that with me. So, you know, I ended up in the field of social work. I I did child welfare, you know, worked in behavioral health as a therapist uh, two times over. I worked in higher education at a university here. And so I was actually leaving the field of social work um, because I was tired,
0: right? Was tired. It burns you was, out.
1: Because, right? you know, this just this profession, all helping professions, right. right? They, no matter how much self-care you do, uh, it takes a toll on you because, you know, you're, you're dealing with trauma, you're dealing with problems day in and day out. And so it, it can be taxing. So long story short... About four years ago, I went back to go get a, another degree. Uh, so I went and got a master's degree in exercise science. I already had a master's in social work. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm <laughs> going to go to the NBA, be a strength and conditioning coach, turn into a, a head athletic trainer. Um, and I was all set to work uh, at Villanova University here. Um, they would later go on that same year to win the national championship in basketball. Um, But the day before I was supposed to start as a strength and conditioning coach for the football team, I resigned. I sent the email. What? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I sent the email saying I couldn't do this. I haven't even opened up the reply from the head athletic trainer. Um, And just that situation in itself was amazing because here I am. The program I did was online. I had no experience. I just sent two emails to two schools just to say, hey, you know, she bring me in for a look and they just had brought me in and they just loved me like it was right. like my white doppelganger. We, all <laughs> had peers, we were all strong and they was just like, "Oh man, you know, we we're all knowledgeable." But the day before I said I couldn't do it and this was May of 2016. Uh because what had happened in January 2016, a young man by the name of Emmanuel Sloan here in Philadelphia he was 19 years of age, uh, all-city, all-state running back at a school here in Boy- called Boys Latin. Right. He jumped in front of a train, oh, um, that, effectively bro. ending his life. Right. And me reading that story in the newspaper, because they had a visual form at the school, and you know it was just like, Phil, it's time to get out here to tell your story. I right. started taking medication, which I, I take every day, um, which helped quell the suicidal thoughts. It helped improve my... My depression and anxiety symptoms. Um, I had started going to therapy, and it was just like, yo, you got to get it out of here to tell your story. And so, I always, I always say, I, when I, if I ever meet Meek Mill, um, you know, I got to let him know that it's because of him that this journey really got started. Right. So, and I say that because this was back, you know, back during that time, he was, you know, waiting to see if he was going to be sentenced. He ended up getting house arrest, but he went to Boys Latin um, to speak. And so boys Latin was one of the schools that I had reached out to. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell my story. And so, uh, uh, a newspaper journalist. She wrote a scathing article about his music. Why would you have him there? And so, especially when you're in a helping profession, especially as a as a social worker, we look at everything from a strength perspective. Right. right exactly. So Assets so perspective, not deficits. Can learn from a thief. Right. By right? people hate Donald Trump, but if you ask me, I can say, listen, he has the ability to connect to a specific people. That's a strength, right? No matter what his flaws are, we <laughs> right. know what we can all mm. see. We see strengths, so and no different than Meek Mill. He has the ability to connect and, and resonate with the young group of boys as opposed to the brother who might be coming in in the, in the three-piece suit who lived in the suburbs. Right. And so the power of social media, I hashtag boys Latin. At that point, me emailing every high school in Philadelphia, I never got a response. And so this happened two times over. But they ended up reaching out, and that started an amazing Partnership where I would go in and speak I started going to professional conferences here um, from there people saw me so where a Penn State law program here in Pennsylvania which I'll be going to uh, in a few weeks they've they've continued to reach out and have me there to have a conversation on mental health because it wasn't happening right. it wasn't happening. Um, as open and honest and from a vulnerable perspective that I'll offer. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I see you, you have your child, child on the flyers, people I see your dress. You know, I'm, I wear a t-shirt and I wear jeans when I go to, you know, speak everywhere you go, lawyers, right. You know, or whether I'm going to go speak, again, like I said, at a cookout. Right. right. And it's that, because it's like, at this point, I'm so comfortable in who I am um, and that I've done so much work on myself. Um, I'm confident what the result is going to be regardless. Right. And So that just continued on that journey. It ended up me starting Qualified, uh, which started out as just me doing public speaking. But starting February 1st, you know, I'm venturing out into, into mental and emotional wellness coaching for, for individuals, couples, and athletes. And so it's just taking on the life of its own. I'm just over yeah. you know. Appreciation. It sounds like a yeah. It sounds I'm like an amazing story, dear brother. In general.
0: Right, right. Hey, y'all have been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal. My guest today for the whole hour is my man Philip Roundtree, CEO of Quadify. Uh, make sure you stay tuned because there's an interesting conversation on the other side. There's more to this brother's story. So we will see you in just a few moments. On while you drive is never okay what's good everybody how y'all doing appreciate everybody watching today chiming in debbie what's happening always a pleasure appreciate everybody coming in chiming in my guest is phil dropping dropping knowledge today he said you change to keep something or to let go of something that was the you know that's the thing Troy coleman what's up class of 89 stallion how you doing, big brother? What's happening with it? Ah, the brothers are out today. Appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. Gene, I, I felt your comments, brother. We're conditioned, man. Trying to recondition rec- our brothers, dear. So I appreciate you. What's going on with everybody this week, man? Tell me what y'all got going on. I'm just chilling. <laughs> ah, my man. You, right, Troy, are you going to uh, our 30th class reunion? You better, bro. I ain't seen you in years, man. It's been a long time. What's up with everybody? You hanging out? <laughs> What's your revolution this week? <laughs> Mine is just to stay sane. <laughs> and be consistent, as I said earlier in the year. Just to be consistent with everything I got going on. Uh, so please keep us in your thoughts. The radio station is changing ownership. Uh in a couple weeks, and we don't know what's going to happen to each of the shows, so please keep the show and me in your thoughts as we try to, uh, you know, as we try to continue moving on with this message, uh, doing what we do, and just grateful for everybody supporting. What we've done over the last two years And so we just want to keep this movement going So Please keep us in your thoughts And make sure that you Listen to old episodes on Apple Podcasts At the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpro Or on SoundCloud, the What's Your Revolution show So we appreciate it so, Yeah, sure. I see the typos I figured you were talking in like Thai or Bal- Balinese <laughs> You know You better come to our 30th, bro. It's been too long, man. It has definitely been too long since we've seen each other. I might not have seen you since graduation night. (laughs) And one of us doesn't have any hair. Trying to to figure that out. (laughs) My line brother said it was going through November again, but it's all good. I got you, Antoine. I definitely got you. We're about to come back on, everybody, so I appreciate you. Peace. Stay tuned with us. You want the best care for your child, right? Jolly Kids Academy is a brand new child development center located in New Orleans East. Your child will get the attention, focus, and learning tools he or she needs to excel for years to come. Every day is a fun day of learning at Jolly Kids Academy. Jolly Kids Academy also offers before and after school care. Limited openings, so reserve your spot today. Or schedule a visit by calling 504-266-2070. That's 504 266 we will be right back. That's Jolly Kids Academy Child Development Center, located at 4949 Bullard Avenue, Suite C. We George Parker, seeing you there. What's up, George? What's up, G? The superintendent of Newport News Public Schools. Going back on, everybody. Be okay. 1230
1: AM, the People's Station.
0: What's good, everybody? We're coming back to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal. We've been celebrating our two-year anniversary, having a, an amazing conversation about you, the hashtag, you good man, and listening to how this brother, Philip Browntree, CEO of Qualify, came into fruition, why his ability is to go out and speak to the world to show people what depression looks like and to open these conversations up across the country. As I said, Phil, you've been doing amazing. You've been doing amazing things around the country. So I want to pull back, as I usually say. What's it been like for you to go around the country, talking to a variety of people around your platform? What type of reception have you had when you stand up there in jeans and a shirt that says, "This is what depression looks like"? What's
1: that like, brother? Um, you know, it's, it's 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 nerve-wracking because I never know what's going to come out, right? So like. You know, I believe it's Kendrick Lamar on the song Mortal Man and and Tupac, you know, he's doing this interview. And he's like, when I get up there, you know, I don't know what I'm going to say. And he's like, you know, that's the ancestor speaking to you, speaking through you. Right. So I have an idea of what I'm going to say, but I never know how it's going to come out. Um, I never know what the reception is going to be. I always look at it for me as cathartic. Right so regardless I'm going to get something out of it this is a therapy session for me where I I don't got I'm getting paid for it possibly right right but, exactly you know, the response has been it's been amazing it's, it's been amazing from you know all races ethnicities um, no matter how individuals identify the response has just been great um, I find that I'm often get, giving people permission to feel, especially you know, boys and men right. who they need to see somebody, they need to hear somebody that looks like them, that sounds like them, where the experiences may be similar. To say, "Yo, I've experienced this, and it's okay." It's okay. And so I get that a lot, especially after the event, because whenever the Q and A happens. You know, I always get one person, raise their hand, they'll ask a question, but next thing I know, I'm still standing there an hour and a half later right. because I'm answering individual personal questions right. from from people who have specific situations, and, you know, a lot of, of what I get is that, you know, listen, you know, you gave me permission, you know what, I'm going to the counseling center tomorrow, mm. or they'll hit me up in my DM and say, yo, I appreciate you, I appreciate what you're saying, um, because... It's not something that we hear, and it's something that I needed. Right. Um. So it's never lost upon me that, you know, what I'm doing is is beneficial, no matter how much I I try, and and dumb it down. As I've been conditioned to to dumb down my accomplishments. But that's a different story.
0: No, and I love what you said, Phil. You know, giving people the permission, and when asking that question, you good man, that should be the permission that we need right there to be able to tell you. This is what's going on in our lives, right? If I am feeling enough, empathetic enough from what I hear from you of asking you, good man, hopefully, right, it gives me permission Mm -hmm. to answer in a truthful and faithful way to myself, right? Exactly. Right. And so it's interesting as you travel around the world, and I'm going to visualize you, right, this big, right, strong, right? bearded like thick bearded man right like like I said go to go to Phil underscore quantify Q U A D E right F Y yeah. Right? Yeah. right go check this brother out this brother is this brother is strong right and you're standing up there right because you're the quintessential of right of what we would think as traditional masculinity just looking at you right
1: oh for sure right for sure. I, I, exactly
0: what are you six one six two six three
1: yeah, six six foot. I just got off the
0: scale. To and I went to tear away. It said about two fifty. Right, six, <laughs> so, right, and so so maybe your maybe maybe your girth is making you look like six four, right? Maybe it's the beard. The beard makes you look taller, right? But you know, who's gonna stand up in front of people and say this is what depression looks like? This dude, right? This dude, and so it's really interesting that you, as a a beacon for us, right, are giving people permission. And that's the point that I want to try to make, that we have the opportunity to give people in our, in our revolutionary lives that we have, right, and the platforms that we have, Phil, to say, you have permission to be vulnerable and to be open and that you can trust me. And so that is crucial. That is crucial for our communities, right? You think about how many of our young boys realize that they can't trust anyone because nobody's ever asked them, how do you feel? What is mm-hmm. on your plate, right? What is your struggles, right? What keeps you up at night, right? And then the last part of it is, how can I help you, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Go that, ahead, brother. That
1: last that last line, it, it reminds me. Uh, did, did you have uh, Reggie Foreman on? Yes,
0: I did, brother. I had him. Okay. I had yeah, some yeah, amazing yeah. brothers so on Reggie the show.
1: Reggie Foreman, he's an uh, amazing dude. And so, you know, when we were at the conference uh the Black Enterprise Conference. You know, I was sitting there and, you know, I was getting ready for a presentation I had to do once I got back and it was on toxic masculinity. Right. And so, you know, he and I we just ended up striking up a conversation and he was like, yo, you know, listen, you know, he was in Chicago. He was like, listen, I was, you know, I was into the arts. I was into, you know, I like dance. I like different things. He was like, but I couldn't engage in those things because okay. of of how the perception would be, right? So I, I, you know, I got affiliated with with gang culture and gang life, and and what that said to me was, and that helped me immensely in my presentation, uh, uh, was that you know a lot of this we talk about survival, right? right? <laughs> we talk we talk about survival, uh, so we look at people, we, you know, we're, especially nowadays, you know, I hate the term toxic masculinity, right? To the umpteenth degree, uh, because I don't, I don't think we look at it in in context, right? right. And so mm-hmm. somebody Tell the story, here brother. in in West Philly, right, and they're they're living in a, a neighborhood where you know it's impoverished and what have you. Listen, the the conversations that you're having uh, could be detrimental, yes, to in a grander sense of. You know, how you're talking about women, how you're talking about yourself, how you're interacting with one another. But you have to live in this community. Right. right? And so for me to just come in and say, for you to look at something a different way, it's no wonder you're not getting that off the first time. Right. Right. No wonder it's going to take years for you truly to understand your value, right? Because you've been in survival mode. And it takes some, you know, it's, it's interesting just to say, take some, how are we going to take him out of survival mode or have him in survival mode and then ask him to do something different? Right. Because uh, we and never remain am- in the same environment. Right. I just think it's something that we don't, we don't, um, we don't, we're not mindful of, it's, you know, when we are having these, these conversations. And then when we are asking for them to do, uh, hey, try this. What are we replacing it with? We right. can sit here and say, uh, <laughs> "Don't talk badly about women. Don't be aggressive towards women." Right, but you know, as you know, got to be able to the model the behavior, to change your behavior. Right, you got to be able we to. model... to supplement it with right. something? Exactly, and consistently, and consistently exactly.
0: supplement exactly. it. Right, it's it's so interesting that you talk about looking at toxic masculinity, and for so long, you know, this is this is now. You know fourteen years of, of of work that I've done around that, around this area and understanding the context as you said of as you know when I was in school it was hyper masculinity and we we've gone to toxic mm-hmm. toxic masculinity, and you, we have to be able to model and change behavior over time and yeah. we as men have been socialized, and I say we because me right we oh, have been soul. we have been oh, social soul. socialized. To interact in a certain way, right? But that's 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 what our that's what our older boys taught us, right? That's how our mm-hmm. fathers, right, interacted. And, and and now now we're moving a freight train in an opposite direction, right? And it's it's hard, right? Because I have conversations with men around toxic masculinity and, and you know, trying to say, hey, this behavior is wrong. And they're like, well, you know, you used to, yeah, I did, but right, guess what? Mm-hmm. I've had this opportunity to, to see myself, right, and to see the inaccuracies and the, the poor judgment and poor behavior that I've had in the past, and now I have the ability to change, right? I have the ability to change. So do you, right, before you make a mistake. And as you know, we don't get to make mistakes, right? With, exactly. Right, and that, that was a point that I wanted to make earlier, right? We don't get to make mistakes, right, without something critical happening to us, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that, right, and really look at how we're socialized, how we socialize our young boys, how they interact with other young men, how they interact with other young women, how they interact with other communities of people, right? If we go all the way down the intersectionality spectrum, how do you interact with everyone that you meet and understanding their their stories? Because we are the first fail to say, you don't understand me, you don't hear me, right? But on the other side, we're like, I don't see you. Right? <laughs> and yeah. so it is very interesting that we talk about toxic masculinity in a, in a sense because the APA has actually just sent out guidelines, right, for clinicians and practici- practitioners to address. Toxic masculinity, right? That is revolutionary yeah. in a sense of itself. Did you did you get a chance to look at those guidelines? I,
1: I did, and you know what? It's confusing as heck. Right? <laughs> it's funny as we, you know, I put it out on Instagram and on Facebook. Right. Like I'm confused because they actually use the term traditional masculinity, right, 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 and so you know, in in my eyes, you know, traditional masculinity differs from toxic masculinity. It does. Traditional masculinity just means masculinity in general right. to me, mm-hmm. and then toxic masculinity. Uh, assumes that there are non-toxic forms right right but you know so i'm just confused in that aspect but i recognize the importance of it because again how you know what is how are we associating and what are we associating masculinity with and what about those who don't you know when i was at uncle bobby's where i go you know we're having a conversation okay we have femininity we have masculinity what about those who who aren't defined by, they don't define themselves uh, under the the landscape. Non-gender binary. I I definitely think it's it's critical because we do need to have an approach uh, and something formal in writing. Uh, Because, again, especially us uh, male clinicians and and, and women clinicians of color, um, we've been having this conversation nonstop. Well, because we're talking about what it means to be a black man in society, a healthy black man, a healthy black person. And so for, you know, sometimes they always late to the party. Right? <laughs> but, you know, glad they showed up. Right. Just say, listen, whatever we thought that being a man was traditionally, historically, that ain't it. Because we're seeing that how harmful it is for our. Our, our wellness quad, right. which is, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and some people throw financial wellness in there. Right. So I definitely think it's necessary, and, and some people need to be informed, right? I think for us who have been doing the work, often we've been informed, but for those who maybe have been living in a bubble <laughs> um, doing the work, Uh, in, in, you know, suburbs. (laughs) No, I going not go that far. But, um, you know, (laughs) they might view it differently, especially for for, for white male clinicians. I think this will be eye-opening for them, because that's who, who... and that's what it's for anyway. Right. right? Well, so.
0: it, it's, it's interesting, you know, and the pushback has come from, because yeah, I know you've seen Gillette's commercial around address, yeah. addressing toxic masculinity. The APA now has gone out and uh, addressing these guidelines. The pushback, Phil, that we're seeing from traditional men, right, or mm-hmm. men who, who, who not only aspire, but this is their life, right? I am, I, I am a man, right? And I have these traditional senses of man and, you know, all of this pushback. Like, there's an attack on manhood, right? Is there an attack on manhood, Phil? Because I, I, I want somebody
1: to— I want. I, we might need another
0: hour. Right. But, I mean, I want somebody to say there's not—I want somebody to really say, because they can hear this, that it's not an attack on manhood. Right? We're not attacking masculinity. We're attacking the forms, and you know, if we really want to get into the science of it, we know that gender is just a socialized concept exactly. in, anyway, right? Exactly. So having this real converse, this lofty conversation about masculinity is actually irrelevant, right? But for those, yeah. right? But for those who want to stay in this conversation, are we attacking men, Phil? By having guidelines about what it means to not be toxic.
1: No. Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> um, it is because you know, especially recently, I've I've been more outspoken about. I'll say this: I I definitely understand the importance of it. Again, when we're talking about these traits and these behaviors, right? That yes, that's what we need to be attacking. But somewhere along the line, there, and what I see a lot, especially from the the opposite sex. It's been a lot of shame attached to it, right? Right, and so it's been a lot of generalizations that take place, which can paint the picture that it's uh, uh, men are men are evil for lack of instead of saying the behaviors of certain men are evil, right? That <laughs> Interesting. Sense. So yeah. I, I think. It's the the intent behind it, and we recognize that. Listen, the behaviors associated with masculinity are unhealthy, but it's all about the approach. How are certain individuals approaching it? Like I see people lashing out at the Gillette commercial, and it was just like, well, no, that wasn't shaming. That wasn't anything. That was that just, was just uh, painting a picture. They showed what uh, a non toxic form of masculinity looks like with the br- with the with the brothers. Bruv- stopping the guy from uh, going after the woman exactly. like a quote-unquote animal. Or right, like, father, yo! <laughs> who, exactly. <laughs> who's stopping the two boys. Right, from fighting. Non-toxic forms of masculinity. A- a- exactly. Right? Those what we want to see. Right. Um, so it's all about the approach, in, in my eyes. But, yeah, no, it's not definitely not in, in the purest form. No, it's <laughs> not an attack on men. Right. It's just how it can be presented from those who... Who may have an agenda, or they themselves aren't healed from the from the okay. effects of masculinity. There you go, and that, right and in the unhealthy form, right. And I
0: want people when they rewind this back, right on Apple Podcasts and, uh, and SoundCloud, right, so they can hear that it is not an attack on masculinity, right. It it is not. It is an it is an attack on forms of behavior that are detrimental to our communities, right. You think about the two boys wrestling and them saying, "Boys will be boys," right. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that that's that, that that same dude who's who is, you know, uh, aggressively going after a woman. Boys will be boys. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to learn from we have to learn from every community that we interact with. Right. And we have the ability because guess what? We make mistakes and right. We make mistakes and we have to understand that. But we also as men have the ability to learn. We don't have to sit on the sidelines and say these people are crazy. Why are they attacking my man? I just want to be a man. Right. You want to be a good man, right? Because when, right if we go back, you good man, yes, I am a good man, so you, you think yeah,
1: about we, that. We're talking about healthy human beings at the end of the day, man. you know what's healthy a healthy behavior, and what's an unhealthy behavior right, exactly. unhealthy behavior is is going putting your arm on a woman and, and telling her what she what she meant to say. Right, that's unhealthy. That's right. unhealthy as an individual. That, <laughs> um, what she meant know, to so say? At, yeah. at the end of the day, whether we, you know, get caught up in terms and labels, we're talking about what it means to be hel- a healthy person versus a, an unhealthy person. And men have men have the responsibility um, to to you know not just be a bystander, right, right? and allow right. things to happen.
0: Right. Uh, uh, we,
1: have to, we have to take an active role. And that's the um, thing. So, yeah.
0: We, and we have to take an active role within ourselves. And we talk about on this show at length, finding and embracing the healthiest version of yourself, right? Because sure. revolution happens within you first. And then it then permeates out. Correct? Right? You, exactly. cannot, you cannot go out here and espouse, right? If you had not done the work of Phil Roundtree, right, you could not go out and then espouse to the world... What, you, what they need to hear, right? You couldn't give them permission without having done your work, correct? Exactly. Right, and exactly. so that's what we're asking men to do. That's what Gillette is asking men to do. That's what this show is asking men to do. That is what the APA is asking men to do. Take time to do the work and understand that you're not perfect. You're, you're going to make mistakes, but realize that when you say things in a certain community, right, and you, re- you realize, like, oh, man, I, I messed up, right? Right. You know that the next time, right, that this is what the behavior should be. This is what the language should look like. This is where your empathy and sympathy should come from. Instead of saying, you know what, that's them, or I don't want to be bothered with them, or that's their lifestyle. It's not their lifestyle, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not understand that. And so as usual, Phil, the, I get excited. The time goes by so fast, right? So I, one, I want to say I appreciate all the time, the the pearls of wisdom that you have dropped. But I ask this last question to you, brother, mm-hmm. for our people who are looking for tips and how to find their way to the healthiest version of yourself. What would you say to the people listening on the show today? How, what's the, what's a tip that
1: you would give them to help them move along their path to revolution? Listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of therapy. I think mean, therapy <laughs> has been wonders the last year and a half that I've been going consistently. I go every Thursday, 11.30 to 12.30. Yeah, I've I see Dr. Bow. Sometimes it's a great conversation, sometimes it's difficult conversations, but I think therapy is critical uh, no matter whether you're experiencing uh, unhealthy situations, unhealthy thoughts, feelings, behaviors, or if you're you're in a, a great place, right, because you want to be able to sustain that great place. So I'm a firm believer of therapy, uh, firm believer in finding local support groups. Um, If you're in Philadelphia, happen to be listening, I hold one at Mark Lamont Hills, Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books every other Monday from 6.30 on and just creating more of these spaces where you can have healthy and fruitful and productive dialogue. And then stay off social media. right? (laughs) Social media is very detrimental to our our wellness. Uh, You know, it's it's the, the the apps of comparison comparing and contrasting uh, your real life situation to what somebody chooses to expose so I say therapy finding a, a local support group um, and staying on social media right right no doubt brother Phil
0: I appreciate your time uh, I, f- I appreciate everything you you do in your community brother uh, your recognition, your being recognized as one of the 100 BE Modern Men of the Year for Black Enterprises well-deserved, brother. Keep
1: up what you're doing. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at phil underscore quantify, Q as in quail, U-A-D as in dog, E-F-Y. Uh, you Go to my website, www.quadifyllc.net. Uh, My YouTube channel, Quadify LLC. The podcast is on all platforms. Hashtag, uh, you good, man. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's it, (laughs) brother. Hey, man.
0: Everybody, make sure you check out this brother. He's doing amazing things. Phil, thank you, brother. I appreciate you so much. Have a great week. Yeah, definitely, brother. Have a great week. I appreciate you. Go, Rams. (laughs) oh oh, man come on bro come on man you look look come on i I, I should just drop you like that look jazz jazz we gonna give him boom all right phil we cutting you (laughs) all right right, brother take care hey man thank you everybody who's been listening today we've had phil phil roundtree ceo of Quadify, on the show talking about toxic masculinity talk about how we can make moves How we need to ask that question, you good man, to be able to answer it empathetically and sympathetically and truthfully to make sure that we are finding and embracing the healthiest versions of ourselves, man. Shout out to everybody who watched on Facebook today. Everybody's been listening in. It's our two year anniversary. Let's hope. Let's hope that we see you next week. Right. Like, look, call WBOK right now so you want to continue to hear the Western Revolution show on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. So take care, everyone. Have a great week and always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. That's right. What's your...